0: Get ready!
1: Hello and welcome to College Talk. It is your host, Beth Brandon. Um, I know my audio is going to sound a little bit different, but I'm recording straight from my computer rather than a fancy microphone because... I'm super excited. I have had a whole um, gaggle of people on for this episode, and I'm incredibly excited to get this that, that started and, and, and introduce that. Um, but first, I want to talk about, you know, we are in the gauntlet, right, for getting the FAFSA done from my Michigan folks by March 1st. Um, remember, if you're not from Michigan and you're giving this a listen, you want to check online, see what your FAFSA deadline is. Is Remember, it differs by state. So to get the most aid and funding that you can, absolutely. Please do that. Um, For those who may not know, uh, there has been a change in terms of the amount of funding that students can get the way that the FAFSA runs. Um, it, It looks like I mean, a drastic drop is going to happen for upcoming and future FAFSAs where instead of there being over 100 required questions on the FAFSA, it looks like there's going to be about 36, I think is what I read. And another exciting piece is that potentially taxes will just be automatically input rather than you having to use the IRS data retrieval tool or students and parents and families having to find their tax returns from two years ago and putting it in. And a, a, a fantastic thing that I also read about is um, that colleges are going to have an option to you know, have more of a say about how a student's current financial status is taken into consideration in terms of aid and award and so that allows for students who may be in a different place whose parents or families or themselves may have become unemployed um, since two years ago a chance to make sure that they have the aid that they need there's a lot a lot a lot of um, exciting stuff in, in in the pipeline for that so um, make sure that you're doing your FAFSA at Our website, podcastcollegetalk.weebly.com. There's a ton of FAFSA stuff. If you are having trouble explaining to your parents why you need to do it, there is information for them as well. There's a parents and family folder. There's a high school student folder and a college student folder. Please feel free to use um, all of that stuff if you need it. Um, Also, we are quickly coming up for juniors with the SAT um, if you are teaching juniors, or you're currently parenting juniors, um, or you're a high school administrator, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I highly recommend you go back and listen to um, a few episodes ago where I talk with a few, a couple different folks from College Board, and we talk about. Um, the College Board Opportunity Scholarship. You may have heard CBOSS thrown around a little bit this year. Um, That's part of it. But then also we talk about how to prep the best for the SAT. So definitely, definitely check that out. Um, We go through Khan Academy and why it works and all that fun stuff. Um, That's really what I want to hit on for announcements. Today's show is pretty much going to be for teachers, counselors, uh, administrators at high schools, but also for faculty um, at colleges and universities, administration and student support staff at colleges and universities, too. So, students feel free to listen to this, um, but this one is really, really geared towards uh, staff at schools, colleges, universities, faculty at schools, colleges, universities. So, today, um, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about something that really blew up on the internet a couple weeks ago. We're going to be talking about Bean Dad um, and how we see Bean Dad's mistakes happening over and over again in higher education, especially um, as we're trying to bridge the gaps between high schools and higher ed. So um, let's just jump right in. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on College Talk today. I'm super excited. I'm here with three absolutely wonderful, lovely people who I enjoy talking to in a non-podcast setting, so I'm excited to actually do it in a podcast setting. Um, I'm here with Savvy, Chris, and Kate, and I will let you all introduce yourselves and and tell us a little little bit about yourselves, if I can talk, maybe.
2: All right. Uh, I'm Savvy. My pronouns are she, her, and I do um, gender-based violence prevention at uh, a university.
3: Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. um, I've been working in higher ed for uh, over 20 years. Um, I've dabbled with uh, housing and with uh, student life. Very glad to be here. Thanks, Beth. Yeah.
2: Thank
1: you.
0: Hey, y'all. I'm Kate Bates. Uh, I have worked in student life and housing and academic advising for the last, I think, 20 years, something like that. I guess that makes me ill, but that's fine.
1: (laughs) love it. Lies. (laughs) Wisdom. Um, Cool. So uh, we are we are all gathered here today to talk about Bean Dad. Um, This I feel like I've been, you know, I'm a little late on the trend, but I've been mulling it over for quite some time, the whole Bean Dad uh, Twitter debacle. And for everyone who doesn't know, super short synopsis. um, This this dad out on the east coast um his i think it was six-year-old daughter said that she was hungry so he was like or maybe it was nine i can't remember um and he was like you know make yourself some baked beans and uh when it wasn't a pop-top can she's like i don't know how to open it and he was like figure it out um and didn't really give any guidance or help or anything and she worked uh, for like six hours to try and figure out how to use this can opener um and got like really frustrated and upset and he was like i'm you know teaching critical thinking skills um and I just it kind of, you know, tensed up and like crunched up when I read that. Cause I just was like, I don't think that's uh, personally the right way to go about it. But what, what is everyone's thoughts and feelings on being dad here?
0: Um, I was going to say, I think one, I don't live on the Twitterverse. So, um, I also have best sort of perspective on it of just like, I have a hot take of just, um, as a parent, like, letting somebody struggle for six hours Mm. uh, to feed oneself does not seem like the appropriate scaffolding or a kind way to teach somebody um, some life skills that could be helpful.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I I went to the more of the social media side of, um, you know, what if the daughter had Uh, a snack or something else like was that was it really six hours without eating but just the way the social media story was told I was like that's not a good look like um it's not funny um yeah I I went and looked at my tweets a little bit to see (laughs) was I out of line you know I'm a father of uh two and so um you know i thought mine were funny or whatever maybe they weren't um but in that of it was just the long drawn-out joke as he kept providing updates and then when backlash came then he you know got really defensive about it and doubled down and um obviously people were like this is not funny and you know we're concerned about the welfare of his child and like that mm-hmm. as a father, you should have instantly, or parent, just whatever, should have instantly, like, clued in of, like, whatever wasn't meant to be funny is not is not, not funny, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I went to that side of it first. Um, but, yeah, in terms of a parenting side, I'll finish on this, is, like, um, that's not a good way to help your child, like, accomplish a task, you know, if they really did wrestle with it for, you know, six hours.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Most of my information also came from Twitter. That's where I was seeing it. Um, there's like a YouTuber that I watch who also like talked about it briefly on his show, but um, I initially had like that same reaction of like, this is cringy. I don't like it. And I purposely like didn't watch the video because I, based on what I was reading, I was like, this going to make me really angry. So I okay. didn't watch the video. Um, and I was just getting my information like from the tweets. Um So yeah, I, I don't have kids, so I don't know for sure, but like, it doesn't seem like a great way to do that. Um, I was reading some stuff later, like, uh, he posted like a blog post explaining all the things then I don't, I don't know how I feel about it yet, but you know, he was saying like, Oh, like we had a huge breakfast a couple hours before and we had like snacks throughout the day and we were like laughing but the way that the video is edited is like a bit or a persona that he has like for comedy I don't know it just Mm. seems a bit strange yeah
1: yeah I don't know yeah I for me I I kind of thought like because I don't have kids either I was like what how would I have felt as a child being like I'm asking for help and I'm basically just you know, being told, put yourself in the, I think he'd like said to like channel the mindset or the thoughts of like the inventor of the can opener. Um, And I was just like, how, I mean, thinking about like, if my, if my own dad had said something like that to me, I would just be like, well, I'm never asking you for help again, because this was so unhelpful, like obviously, but like also part of my brain was like, well, there's like five, six, seven different models of can openers. So that's like, who do I choose? You know, there's so many. And then, you know, that was a different thing, but like, I think that's just like an impossible question. Later I read it and this is what made me want to have this conversation. I read a tweet where someone was like, yeah, that's like in sixth grade where they hand you the Pythagorean theorem and they're like, figure it out. And you're like, yeah, I'll just channel Pythagoras. Like, sorry, I'm not, you know, operating on his level in sixth grade. And I was like, this makes a really good parallel to how like education systems can be set up. And I think are set up a lot of times for students and whether that's like academics or like leadership development or things like that. And that I just kind of wanted to tie those two things together. Cause I know like I work in academic success um, and like retention and uh, learning success. I'm doing air quotes success skills cause it's all relative but a lot of the things that I see is students get really frustrated with their professors because they're just like, do this thing, and the student's never experienced or done it before um, or had to do it. And then they're like, how, do, how am I supposed to just know? Um, and this reminded me of that a lot because they just basically got handed a can opener and they were like, go. No. Um, but I guess, like, have any of you seen in your own jobs or working with students where like things like that have happened?
0: Like every day. Oh. I, I mean, I I think oh. that part of it is like students don't necessarily have the tools or know how oh. to use the tools they've been given to like do the whatever the thing is, whether that's a professor navigating the system of a of an institution um, and know who to talk to, who to ask, and they they struggle. Mm-hmm. And then when they're like, "I don't get it," somebody says, "I don't understand why you don't get it." Because they understand the system, right? And mm-hmm. so it happens a lot. And then students are afraid to ask.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that just creates like another barrier of, of not even just to not know how to use the tools, but then also like I can't even ask here. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think for me, it's the context of, uh, you know, when I'm working with students of have they done anything similar to it before? Um, you know, sometimes. Uh, There, I've seen. I have have to measure my own frustration of, well, I haven't seen this before, I haven't done this before. Well, let's talk. Let's, I'm not just gonna leave you on your own, but let's talk about what past experiences that you've had that might be applicable to it. Um, and then in that, uh, especially when I'm working with first year students in the college situation, I have to remember that I've been doing this for you know 20 years, but this is the first time that they've done it, and so you know, to being dad, like you've opened cans of beans for however long and you know it may only take you 15 or 35 seconds but if this is the first time that your uh, daughter's done that then it's going to look a little bit different Um, I'd like to throw a question out is in terms of you know where is that balance between enabling and empowering Mm. Um, and so it probably does depend on the student that you're dealing with yes it's situational but I don't know if there's any thoughts on that because that makes me as Beth you were talking it made me about that of you know where is that balance between the two
1: yeah that's a really that is a really good question I think I think like you know when talking about if you've never had this tool before or if you are given the tools and you don't know how to use the tools I think about that a lot um, serving in high schools um, one of the biggest things I've seen is students just don't know how to manage their time because their time is just completely managed for them even even after school, a lot of students go to a sport or an after-school activity, and then they come home and they do homework, and then they go, you know, eat dinner, or whatever, go to bed, and like their whole day is just chunks of time. And then you get into a call, and it's like, I have one class on a Tuesday, and then you know that's that's my Tuesday, and and how do you budget, you know, for all that time? And and so I think, in my mind, I'm like, well, you you know, use a planner, use your calendar, whatever. You and I, I found like if you just teach them how to do like one thing, they'll figure it out and and you know kind of finagle it for something that works for them. But there gets to a point where they keep asking and asking, where you have to kind of say like you've you've done this a couple times. Like why don't you try it on your own? I'll check it afterwards. But I definitely think yeah, it's a moving it's a moving scale. Um, that's a hard one because yeah, how do you know when you've crossed into?
0: I think part of it too is I think that's a really great question is. I often start. I think about students, my kids. I start with asking them questions, like, "How do you think you could do it? Mm. Have you, have you, have you talked to other folks who have done this thing before?" Right? Um, and and then I think to your point, Beth, of just um, if a student keeps coming back with the same exact problem, then there, then there's something going. Th- then there's something going on. Then I think you know that maybe you're in that enabling space versus let me walk you through this the first time. Mm -hmm. And then if you come back again, all right, then and and again, let's give them three times, right. Um, And then to be able to say, you know, this doesn't seem like it's working for you, I might not be the best person to explain it to you. What if you talked to have you talked to anybody else about this problem? Mm -hmm. Um, So they're also at least expanding what their resources are. And they're critically thinking about like, Maybe the way I teach time management doesn't work for you. Maybe mm-hmm. you talk to Chris or Beth or Savvy. Let's connect you with somebody else that might be able to relate it and relay the information in a different way.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say I was thinking a lot about like rephrasing, mm-hmm. um, like you just mentioned. So like. I feel like I see this really often and I saw a lot. Actually, Beth, you said something earlier that reminded me of, I took a math class in high school and I got to this class and the teacher was just teaching it as if we should already know like what these things are. And they were like throwing all these like terms out that I had no idea what they were. And I don't know, I ended up just dropping that class and I I switched Mm -hmm. to something else. My school's on trimester. So yeah. I didn't actually need this class they just like put me in it for whatever reason um, and it was just like I've spent like two weeks in that class and I was like I'm not gonna do this I can't there's no way yeah um, and I would ask questions and he would just say the same thing he already said and I wasn't getting it so like if someone is asking multiple times and you're just repeating yourself that obviously isn't working so I think like what Kate said is really great like is there someone else who can explain this to you? Or like internally, if there's a different way that you can explain what you're trying to explain, like, and asking questions, I think is one of the better ways. Cause like, okay, like, do you not understand this step? Do you not understand this step? Like, where are, where am I losing you? That I can try to change the language um, to make it make sense for you kind of thing, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. I wanna pick up math for a second again, because with the students that I work with a lot, math is often a class that comes up where I have to connect students to a math center or a tutoring center or something. Um, Because like we, I always say, your professor is the one who's created this class. You need to ask them questions because they're going to be able to help you understand, like, how should I be studying? Because they kind of, you know, they set up the tests and stuff. And sometimes there's just that communication barrier. And I think that is one of the most frustrating things is I've had to teach students how to, it, you know they can't just say I'm not getting this because then I'm, you know the answer is always well what aren't you getting, and they point at a problem <laughs> and they're like well what aren't you getting, and so I've had to like go through and sit down and work with students and we'll go through it step by step until they get to a point and they're like this is where I'm this is where and I'm like that's what you need to say, but it's frustrating that you know the student has had to wait three days after this math class instead of a professor just saying work through it and and stop and that's like one that kind of reminds me of Bean Dad or makes me think of Bean Dad is it wasn't. You know, he never asked, what part don't you get? So it's that rephrasing in that question piece. And it takes like two seconds to say that. What, what part don't you get? And um, or work, you know, go through with me until you get stuck and then um, go from there. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things that I see is that you've got the student who is, you know, putting a, a lot of effort and it's probably intimidating and it's like reaching out to the professor and they're just like, no, like figure it out. Like, I don't, they're not going to take that extra step. And that's always a frustrating thing for me. And I don't know if you all have seen that as well.
0: I think part of it is when a student's in that frustration point too, mm-hmm. it's, it, they, it's harder for them to learn. Like when we are not at our best and we're frustrated and we've tried it a bazillion times by ourselves, and we think we can do it, but we can't do it, then we're frustrated. And so it makes it harder, right? And so I think that a lot of times when I think of the students who, there's a story that I don't need to share, but I'm thinking of the student (laughs) was telling me this story in December that I was like, I just, wow, I don't even know what to respond because the professor basically said, I already explained this. I don't know why all of you don't understand this. Like that was basically the message. And, um, I think that that's the hard part is then trying to hear that frustration while also helping them move forward, like emote and move, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're so in the moment of I'm angry, I'm frustrated. I'm not getting what I need. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not learning and I'm putting time and energy and I'm getting nowhere and no help. And so Mm -hmm. part of it is to show the care, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the bean dad story. That's like, dude, you even care because your kid's struggling with this, this part, this simple thing. Yeah. Helper, you know? So I think part of it is that as an advisor is like that care piece comes in that becomes so much more important than the actual issue. So the student can calm down and breathe so they can actually learn and they can mm-hmm. move forward.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I I like that, Kate, that really resonates with me of, um, you know, the the care and the empathy and, um, you know, yeah, you connecting or connected to the um, student. And so in that of, you know, Beth, when you mentioned earlier too about, you know, um, a student might feel the need to... uh, especially at more the college level, like they're not going to ask for help. Um, they're going to think it's going to take them a little bit. And so, um, there may be an intimidation factor. And so, um, you know, when thinking about being dad of, are those lessons being learned earlier about not being vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Um, and so not of like, well, I went to somebody I trust and they can help me. Um, you know, asking for help, you know, is a, you know, it's, it's a sign of, you know, being vulnerable. And so uh, it makes me think of some of those things.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's, I, I remember um, back when I was doing the the GA for um, cab and, and Bronco Bash and that stuff um, we, we talked about vulnerability and how um, that helps with like innovation and creativity. Um, So when students were coming up with ideas for shows or things like that, and, um, like kind of putting a kibosh on that or building up walls around that. I feel like it's such an early age. Um, and I think even being in college is an early age, cause you're really still developing as a person, um, very much. So like getting put in those situations over and over again, I think that makes it really difficult for students to even step into the working world and try to say in like a staff meeting, what if we tried it this way, you know, or, or, or something. And I think it puts a lot of, uh, further limitations beyond um more so I think than we can even imagine so I, yeah that's I'm glad you brought that up um Savvy, I'm gonna kind of pull you out so correct me if I'm wrong but you part of what you do is you like teach and train um folks on like relatively you know potentially sensitive topics but you also if I'm correct kind of teach students to also have conversations with other students Um, and so there's a lot of vulnerability in that, but then, um, I, 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 you know, when I was thinking about this, that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on here, because I think, um, you have to like, you're teaching or you're helping people learn how to help others. And I think that, you know, that's like a double step, you know, have you, have you, I guess, you know, how would the Bean Dad scenario not work or work kind of in, in that realm? Or, like, how can you see that happening maybe in what you do?
2: Yeah. So we have um, we have student employees, and we train the student employees to facilitate the workshops for the students on campus. Um, So that's kind of the structure of it. So like, yes, we have like a small group of students and we're training them to have those conversations, but also part of the workshops that they're facilitating is they are talking to students about how to like recognize signs of abuse, but also um, how to like talk about that with people. Like if you see those things happening, how to intervene um, or how to check in on people, Um, if you suspect something is happening, right, or if someone discloses to you um, how to support that person. So um, we have, like, a whole thing at the beginning where we talk about, like, language and why it's so important and how um, those things are, like, normalized, how they, like, normalize violence in our culture. But um, I'm thinking about... Um, we have like a section. So we talk about like, we all have different life experiences, right? We all come from like different backgrounds and different belief systems based on the experiences that we've had and trying to meet people where they are. And that's not to, um, not to say like bring yourself down a level, but like, you can't just expect people to jump in and like be at a certain place when they have a totally different life experience. So like thinking about being dad and thinking like This is like a young girl, like she's never used a can opener before. So thinking about, I was thinking about like, what kinds of questions could he have asked her to like prompt her to work through the problem instead of just saying like, here you go, figure it out. Like, okay, so this can is made of metal. How do you think we might open that? Like, do we need something sharp? Do we need something, uh, I don't know a hammer like you know like what are some Mm -hmm. other ways that you could think about like opening this like kind of things like that asking like those prompting questions to kind of help lead her there without Mm -hmm. explicitly telling her how to do it I guess um and that's kind of what we do you know we don't tell people how to do things we just give them all these different skills so they can figure out what's the best way for me to approach this situation Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. I'm really glad you said that. Cause I think, I think we've all touched on it, but like that for me was one of the biggest, like cringe moments is he's, he's saying like, well, I'm teaching her critical thinking and I'm teaching her how to, you know, problem solve. And for me, I'm like that, I feel like that's like the perfect way to do that is to, to have some guidance. You can't just be like, you have to, you know, figure out how to cross this, you know, lake of lava. Good luck. Figure it out. I hope you don't die. Like, you know, it, That was an extreme example, obviously, but like, you know, (laughs) it's like, we, I think we expect this, especially, I think for me, the transition from like high school to college, we expect students to just make these giant leaps um, without giving them any idea of what, how, like how far they have to go or what they have to do, or, you know, how they have to start the run to jump over it or whatever. And, um, and so I think like, that was, that was like the biggest parallel that I took Um, But then also, you know, Chris talking about vulnerability and trust and how, you know, if a student reaches out to you and, you know, you're just like, well, figure it out like that, that tenuous, you know, small amount of trust that they're giving you is just, you know, potentially broken and Mm -hmm. you've lost the ability to help that student later on if if they come to you again. Um, And, and I think that for me was the biggest thing, the, the biggest thing that I felt. Um, I'm going to want to switch into my two questions for everyone, but does anyone have any like further bean dad points that they're like, I needed, I need to say this before we, you know,
0: change topics. I just have one just going what Abby was saying of just like, as you were talking about training facilitators, when we train our student facilitators, we talk about plus one folks, like you can't make a leap from zero to 10. It's those little steps. So, like if you take the lava example, like, Mm. yeah, you need to get across, but I'm gonna show you how to walk to the first rock. And then I'm gonna help you to the second rock, right? And so, because otherwise, that far off goal is way too big for that human to even meet. And so, and that's true of conversation, that's true of learning a task. Like, if you're trying to move somebody from an idea, you can't jump from one to the other, so we use plus oneing, and like you need to figure out where somebody's at, and then plus one them, like help them get to the next step. Yeah. So, I think that's. Probably, I think the, yeah. Go ahead.
3: I think the lava example is a good one because it's there's risk, and so, um, a if you've never crossed lava before, you probably shouldn't. Maybe should say like, I'm not the one to help you. I've not done this before Mm. you're asking the wrong person you in that then of uh because if somebody is trying to cross a lot and they miss like they're gonna really get hurt and so um i think as as you talk about making that transition from high school to college like it's a big the big jump there is lava because there's a financial risk that is going to take a while to get out from if you if you don't navigate that successfully so no i think that's that's appropriate and so what is the role for all of that so i'll stop there
1: no i i i sent you another zoom link So i can give like because that probably another thing i think that we do that as professionals right like i all the time am so like if a student because i'll get students like full on tears full panic about like i'm gonna be kicked out of school if i don't get my gpa up etc yeah. and i you know wanna uh you know like shield them, protect them a little bit, which, you know, but I, so I'll sometimes jump into things. I don't have any idea. Um, I just started a new job. And so, you know, I have students asking me these questions and I've had to really kind of, after knowing like all the ins and outs of like academic policy and stuff at my last institution being here, I have to be like, I'm going to have to ask and get back to you. And that's like really humbling. But I think a lot of times we don't do that. Right. Instead of saying like, well, I've never I've never, you know, crossed this lava pond. So I'm not the person that you want to ask. We're just like, you, and then we can kind of lead students in the wrong direction. And I think that's a huge point of like, we also need to be vulnerable and like have some humility ourselves if we can't help someone or guide someone. Um, and I didn't even think about that and maybe being dad doesn't know how to use a can opener. And he was trying to, (laughs) um, (laughs) trying to, you know, help in a different way. No. Um, but no, that's a huge point. And that like clicked in my mind where I think that was one of the biggest things I got that from you two a lot. Um, when I was a grad, at, but then also from like savvy, I'm sure you did too. Like during orientation, they're like, if you don't know, ask someone like, don't tell a student some random stuff and like ruin their life. And, um, <laughs> that was probably one of the, I mean, I took a lot of stuff out of my like higher ed experience, but that was one thing that I've taken a lot with, with myself because like, not having humility can really hurt other people in very profound ways
2: yeah that's something that we actually we spend a lot of time in training with our students um, talking about that Um, we spend a whole section talking about like difficult questions because like obviously gender-based violence is a tough topic and taboo for a lot of people actually but um, we really try to put that in there that like everyone is not an expert even I'm not an expert and I've been doing this work for how long so um it's okay to not know the answer and I would rather have you say you don't know and then direct them to me than to give them an answer that is wrong um or guessed and maybe right you know so yeah I agree yeah that was I think those
1: are such great points and um yeah, I think that just really summed up a lot of what I was thinking about when I read The Bean Dad and, sadly, like you said, the cringeworthiness and, like, Kate and Chris, just, like, the lack of empathy and vulnerability and care, um, and it just really frustrated me, because I think I see that a lot, um, in other, other things. I hope everyone in this, listening to this recording enjoys the sounds of my neighbor's smoke detector. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if y'all can hear that, um, but, uh yeah okay so for my final two questions who would like who feels ready and confident to go first uh before we we jump in so um, the I might need a reminder of the question okay. yeah. so i'll go over it again so the, the first question is what was your favorite class ever so it could be k through 12 it could be uh college um chris this is hard because i've already asked you this one so i don't know if you're going to come up with different ones it will be the same it would be cool to compare um and then the second one is what's like the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and it doesn't have to be like the most groundbreaking or like the most like earth shattering but it's just like what has been like the thing that's kind of stuck with you because um, I think when I say best piece of advice people are like I really got to figure out what it is but it's like eh, just what means a lot to you which is not an easy question either now that I think about it but you know Chris was that a, you want to get
3: okay yeah I can go first I um I was thinking about about that too, Beth. Because this is our com- second conversation, but I, mm. I don't remember what I said the first time. So oh. let's see. <laughs> but actually, in that, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not. But I, I think back to college, and um, there was um, I was uh, it was General Comm, like two thousand, one thousand, or yeah, General Comm one thousand. And so I was a big lecture hall, and I really thinking back now, I uh, appreciate the way the professor. Mm just really captured um, the uh, attention of the group. And so um, just looking at journalism from a, uh, a media perspective In that um, it was even before fake news was a thing, but just really being able to analyze uh, the information. And so he used news as just a medium to do that. But um, uh, I still use some of that um coming now about, you know, what are the sources, multiple sources, what are multiple perspectives Um, as working with students, you know, they see the same problem, but they see it from different angles and perspectives. So, um, yeah, so I'll I'll go with that one. And then I guess in terms of advice, um, I've said this a lot. I don't know if I said it in the last one or not, but um, I really, um, if you're not willing to do something yourself, then, you know, you really shouldn't have your team you know, don't delegate it to your team. So in that there's been a lot of times where, you know, it's important for the leader to just roll up their sleeves um, and get into the, the mess with, with, uh, with your team. So I'll, I'll land on that.
1: I like those.
0: I can go next. I think the class that stands out to me, or I'm going to say classes mm-hmm. um, when I think of my undergrad. So my undergrad was biology and chemistry at first. And then I ended up taking in a comparative religion class. And then I ended up with a comparative religion minor. Those classes were just so impactful for me because so much of the rest of my world was there was a right answer and a wrong answer versus being able to interpret and critically think like, what does this mean? How does this impact other folks when they say this? What did they mean then? How do we interpret it now? Mm. Um, and I feel like those classes just really helped me think about things in more of shades versus Mm. right and wrong. And, um, and, um, really kind of open up some doors for somebody who is very linear. So I think those were really impactful because the instructors were just like, what do you really think and why? And nobody had really asked me that before. Um, and then in terms of advice, um, I think the thing that pops up to me that I use a lot is just make your yes mean yes. So you can say yes to the things that you really want to. And by saying no to things you don't want to, you get to say yes to the things you really want to do um, and really mean those things. So I think that's really important because I think so many times, especially in roles where we wear so many different hats, we're asked to do so many different things and we want to be a good team player. Right. And mm-hmm. we want to do the things. And inadvertently we say yes when we don't really mean it because we feel like we should. And then we half-ass it mm-hmm. and or we can't do it. And then we have to back up back out at the last minute, which doesn't feel good either. And so I feel like that's a practice, though. <laughs> it's a continual practice, but I think really just make your yeses really mean yes. And if you're not sure, just say, can I have some time to think about it? Or I'm not sure if I can fully commit and being, again, going back to earlier, being vulnerable and transparent, like, I don't know if I can do that thing. So I'm not going to say yes right now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
2: Kate stole my advice. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so fine. I have, I actually, I had something else that I was thinking of, but I did uh, just actually hear that recently uh, in an event that I attended. So that was, um, that's very cool. I've also been thinking about that a lot lately. But, um, so I think that one of the classes I enjoyed the most, I took an astronomy class in high school. Um, very cool. I don't know a lot of places that do that. So no. just in general, it was like a cool class, but um, you know, we spent a little bit of time learning about, like, telescopes, but not very much. We actually spent the majority of our time learning about, like, the star systems and, like, the different types of stars and the constellations and the stories behind them. Um, and I had actually also taken mythology. I'm, like, a huge mythology nerd. I have a tattoo of Apollo. If you didn't know, he's my favorite. But Nice. So it was... That class, and we had star parties, so we had to, like, go to a park at nighttime for this class so we could go look at the constellations, like, with the class, um, which was pretty cool. So, like, little field trips. Um, cool. It was really cool. Um, But that was one of the first classes that I felt like I was actually connecting learning from other classes to this one, right? So, my learning was Mm. building because I had taken the mythology class, and I really liked it um I love the stories I think it's so fascinating to like learn about that um, and then to go learn about the constellations and know like the story of Zeus and here's his constellation you know so like all of that stuff um, was very cool so that's what I liked the most because I actually felt like I was applying things I had already learned um, to something new that's um, cool. which was cool so and I think that fits real nicely with the theme today. Uh, <laughs> Um, and this is like less advice and more of just like an inspirational thing, but I saw it, uh, on an Instagram reel recently, but I really liked it. And it was, um, you have survived a hundred percent of all of your worst days. And I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of like working from home has been rough, um, but also like personal social life has been rough cuz you know I can't go see people so yeah. um I try to just remember that like when times are hard I have been through so many other things that probably were harder or um at least seemed harder at the time and I made it through those and I can make it through this one so that's it yeah. that.
1: well, that's cool just like that you know you've 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 built strength and you've got strength and- Wow, ooh, that was impactful. All of those were impactful. Uh, Kate, I really appreciate it as a young professional um, and Chris as well as you're like learning leadership, but like knowing you know, when to say yes. And I think that goes back to that kind of humility thing of um, don't just give someone an answer because you think I want to say the right thing in this moment, but do it because it, it matters. And um, Chris, I think yours fits into that too. You know, don't tell a student to do something and expect them to do it 100% if you can't, you know, if you wouldn't do it yourself. So all of that tied in super nicely. Um, well, I really appreciate all of you giving me your Saturday mornings. Um, that's super nice. I know it's in a world where everything is super busy, even though we're at home. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, does anyone have any, because this episode's focused more on like high school counselors and teachers working with students looking to go to college. Um, and then, uh, you know, also maybe college professionals who are receiving those students. Um, Does anyone have any words of advice from sort of their areas of developing students? I didn't prep you for this question, so I'm sorry.
2: Um, Something that I am learning a lot with the students I work with now that I have not necessarily had that experience in the past is like opening myself up to like, I can also learn from the students as well. Um, which I think is really important. So it's really cool when we go into training, like student employee training is my favorite time of the year because I get to like sit and like have like real conversations with the students we work with and they're so passionate and then they will challenge some of the things that we say and we can like have a nice discussion about it and learn how to make like our programming better Um, and just like myself, be a better human. Like I'm learning from them as well as like, they're learning from me. So it's just because I'm like above them, like I'm their supervisor or whatever, um, doesn't mean that it's just like a top-down relationship. Like it's a two-way relationship. And I really appreciate that.
3: Yeah, I think for me, um, I think about, um, the, the student, right, we always say, you know, generationally students are changing and, and all of that. And so the challenges that students are facing, I'm not sure um, higher ed is adjusting to that, those those needs, those challenges. And so looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like um, we want the students to um, self-actualize and, you know, critically think and open a can of beans. but you know, if they're really hungry and they're getting emotional, like they're they're gonna be set up for um, a lot of unnecessary struggle. And so um, I like when Kate talked about emote and move. Um, mm. I think we need to be, you know, give space uh, for students and staff. But uh, if we're talking about students, um, you know, to give them that space to emote. Um, I don't think that we're, um, I don't see enough of that happening. Um, and so in that, with that, giving that space, um, I've talked a lot about, you know, emotional labor. And so, um, I think students are, um, having the opportunity to, um, you know, they can't separate it. What I've heard from students, like I can't separate what I'm feeling I can't name it if you can't name it if you can't identify the problem like you're not going to be able to address it and Mm so um, I think in that the uh, role of administrators or staff and things like that faculty everybody um, I think the role of that is going to have to shift um, in order to help students I'll finish on this like analogy of the you know um, like a log jam like there's something on the other side but you got to deal with the source of it you got to remove the logjam before you can go ahead and get the resources that are behind it and so mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's a good awesome yeah
1: i like the visual of the logjam. i think that makes it like it makes a lot of sense in my head
0: i like both of those pieces of advice a lot i think also don't be afraid to be unapologetically you as a professional. I think that so often we have these ideas of like what professional is, professionalism is what it looks like. And I think if there's anything that this year has taught us is it can shift and right. in, in <laughs> indirect ways, but like you can still be you and like voice your opinions and speak, speak your truth. And, um, And be there for students and be there for administrators, even sometimes like it can feel awkward, but like really trying to hold um, the tensions of truth, like it can be true that it's hard to be an administrator during COVID time. And it can also be true that students want more from those administrators and like both are true and real Mm -hmm. and holding the and I think sometimes, as especially as the frontline folks, holding that tension of being like, both of these things are true, so what are we going to do about it? Like, And I think that sometimes we forget that in the chaos and um, we forget how to say, you know what? I think our students might have a point or I think our mm-hmm. ministry have a point. And like, we need to figure that out because I think a lot of times as frontliners, um, we're the bridge between that mm-hmm. tension And, and, and that can be a tricky spot, especially as a young professional or a middle level professional, it's still hard, you know? And so I think that being you and being vulnerable and gaining trust of the parties that you work with can be really important in doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, That was all fantastic. Um, Yeah. And I, I learned, I feel like, a lot just right in that little space of time. So, um, again, thank you all so, so, so much. I truly appreciate it. Um, um, everyone else, thank you, as always, for, for tuning in and listening. Just a quick reminder, FAFSA, for all my Michigan people, that is going to be due up by March 1st if you want to get that full Pell. And it is increasing just a smidge for next year, so you do want it. They have also changed some stuff. So it's easier to get Pell, which we love because we don't have to pay it back. Um, And thank heavens, the expected family contribution is going away. And so they're going to change that. So it's much easier to read and understand. Um, As always, if you have questions or concerns about anything college related, you can email me at podcastcollegetalk at gmail.com. And it has been a pleasure talking to you here on College Talk.